What is up, everybody? I am Liz Statlander. Welcome to my room, the therapy room, where I spend most of my life is inside the therapy room with other people, hearing about their stories, journeying through their lives and all their life events, their ups and downs. And as a therapist, I wanted to share some of these wonderful experiences um, with you all, with the listeners, in hopes that hearing stories about me and my life and my childhood and the things that I've been through and the same of my friends and family and clients will connect you to us, to other people, to the human experience so that you know that you're not alone, you know that therapy can be helpful, and you're really going to get a really deep inside look at our guests, at me, and the people that come on this podcast. And I already host um, a talk show two days a week called Liz Live, um, live on Facebook Wednesdays and Saturdays at 11 a.m. And it's also broadcast live on Instagram television. So I'd love to have you tune in there as well. But today we're going to focus on the work that I do, the time that I spend inside the therapy room. Welcome. So we all want a whole lot of love, don't we? We're all looking for love. We all want to be loved. We all want to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. And, you know, it's come to my attention that people are really looking for love in all the wrong places. I guess I should have played that song, but I like Led Zeppelin better. So let me tell you a little bit about me and why I got into the relationship business. Um, I am 44 years old and I am a marriage and family therapist and mental health counselor. Wish I was called a couples therapist because so many people are, you know, not necessarily married, but they're together for many years or whatever. But anyway, the state calls us marriage and family therapists. And, um, so I've been, um, doing individual and couples counseling um, for you know about a decade now, and um, I'm originally from the Squirrel Hill section of Pittsburgh, which unfortunately is only famous for about three things, and that is Jewish people, uh, Minio's Pizza, and really unfortunately um the shooting at tree of life synagogue um that happened in october 27th 2019 that was the synagogue where i was bat mitzvahed and um so then basically um i left pittsburgh in the year 2000 moved down to miami um another place famous for um jewish people uh, jewish 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 girl from Squirrel Hill, then moved to Aventura, Florida, and, um, you know, became a therapist later in life, um, started school in my late 20s, and did lots of other things before that for work, um, which, you know, maybe we'll get to another time, but I did have a bit of a background in uh, uh, politics and journalism, um, and that was, you know, another lifetime, it seems like. But I always wanted to be a therapist, and I was always fascinated by 
uh, human behavior. And, and then when I got into my late 20s, I got really, really interested in relationships, human relationships, romantic relationships especially, but um, all relationships. And the deeper and deeper I got into graduate school, the more interested I became. And, um, and so, of course, I made it my life. And so every day, all day, I'm dealing with people's relationships, whether it's a relationship with themselves, a relationship with others, a relationship with, you know, their romantic partners or friends or whatever. Um, You know, I'm in the business of creating relationships with my clients and thereby helping my clients create better relationships with their loved ones. So that's a little bit about me. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear more about me, Elizabeth Statlander and the therapy room. So why did a young girl, young Jewish girl from Squirrel Hill become a therapist? How did it all happen? And it's kind of a long story. So um, not to bore anybody, I actually started out wanting to be both a psychologist and also a news reporter um, or in some kind of talk show, some kind of talk show host. And I'm actually finally starting to make all of those pieces come together, but there's a lot of things that had to happen to bring me to where I am today. And I believe that where I am today, speaking into this iPad to all of you, took all 44 years of experience to get me to where I am in this moment. And those experiences were not always um, fun. And definitely I've experienced a lot of loss um, beginning with my father at age 11. I have three brothers and um, my two older brothers, Greg and Carrie, are um, 13 and 10 years older than me. And my younger brother, Michael, is three years younger than me. But we all grew up in the same house. Um, my mom raised all of us together. And unfortunately, my father died of heart disease and happened pretty fast. He was sick for maybe a year or two. And he died at 49, I was 11. And that was probably the most significant thing that ever happened to me. Um, It was a a huge loss for all of us. And my father was, you know, a very patriarchal figure. Um, You know, he really led the family when I really sit back and think about it and set the tone of the family in a a very good way. Um, He was strict and very hardworking and very, um, you know, clear-headed. I always looked at him as, you know, um, really had his head on straight. But unfortunately, uh, you know, he he died young, 49, and it was just extremely tragic. And I think it was probably the age um, that I was, which was 11, that really made it so difficult because at 11 years old, you don't understand that your parents are human. You don't understand that they can die. You don't understand that that kind of tragedy can happen. So even though I knew my father was sick, it was extremely shocking to me. And I think it was shocking to my mother and all three of my siblings in different ways. My younger brother was eight. 
my older brothers were 21 and 24, so at least they were a little bit older and had a little more experience and maturity to deal with life, but um, my little brother and I really didn't, and so my mom really was left, you know, raising us and taking over my dad's business, and, um, and then I had a very uh, special uncle, uh, my Uncle Irv, who really um, was my mother's sister's husband that stepped in and really um, became my father figure. And unfortunately, he died when I was 25. Um, my mother's sister died when I was 19. My grandparents, who I was very close to, died um, within a few years of her death. And then, um, my mom died, I can't believe, seven years ago. So I've had a lot of um, loss in my life, and, um, and there's more, but I think that that um, pain and those experiences that I went through have really uh, just paved the pathway for me to become a therapist because I understood the human experience, I understood loss at various ages, at various stages of my life. Um, I watched very closely, you know, my mother and, you know, how she carried on at, you know, 41 years old with four kids. And um, there was just a lot that went on in my family that really gave me um, quite an interesting pathway and view of the world around me. So that was some of the sad, those are some of the sad things that happened to me. And I had many beautiful things also that happens in my life. But if we're talking about Elizabeth Statlander, the therapist, and how it all happened, those losses were really um, such a big part of what propelled me into this field. Um, I did uh, do about 10 years of my life in uh, politics and journalism prior to going to graduate school. Um, but after my uncle Irv died, the um, man who you know stepped in as my father figure after my dad died when I was 11, after he died at 25, I really um, kind of hit bottom, hit a bottom place. And I wanted to get the fuck out of Pittsburgh. So um, there's just too many sad memories here. And to me, Pittsburgh was just such a depressing place. It was always gray and the weather was terrible. And, um, you know, I just wanted out. So that then, that his death really is what threw me down to Florida. I went down to um, stay with my brother Carrie for a couple weeks after my Uncle Irv died and he lived in South Florida and my Uncle Irv's sister was also there. So it felt really good to be with um, my cousins and my brother and my aunt and everyone that was down in um, Miami and I said, why in the world don't I live down here? So I literally went home, packed up my things, gave away all my furniture and headed on down to Miami, Florida, and moved in with my brother, and uh, was hoping to get a job as soon as possible, of which I did get a job within a few weeks of moving there, and eventually moved out 
into my own apartment within a month or two in Aventura, Florida. And that is the um, beginning really of my young adulthood. And I was there until um, I guess I was 38 or 39 years old. And um, what brought me back to Pittsburgh was my mother's death. So a lot of these big turning points in my life, these big losses are what propelled me also into these huge changes, which really wound up shaping my life in ways that I never even imagined. So once I got down to Miami, I, I worked for a while. And then, um, I don't know, at some point in my late twenties, uh, maybe even at 30, I decided that I didn't want to bounce around from job to job and I was sort of over politics and journalism. Um, they're very difficult fields and I don't think that I would have been happy doing them for the rest of my life. And so I decided to just try to get into graduate school and see what happened. And that was probably the top two best things that I ever did in my life. Um, and I started graduate school at Barry University and it was like magic for me. It was um, finally I had tuned into my own channel and I loved graduate school. I could be in graduate school for the rest of my life. I loved and admired and still do um, the professors that I had that were outstanding, the education that I got, um, the way it changed, the way that I think and opened up my mind and just educated me to a higher level in all of the wonderful internships and work experience that I got through grad school, um, you know, have all contributed to making me um, just absolutely in love with what I do for a living and passionate about helping people and, and understanding relationships, human relationships. And I wish I could be in school for the rest of my life, but unfortunately it doesn't pay the bills. So I got a dual master's in marriage and family therapy and mental health counseling, which means that I am specifically trained to work with families, couples, and individuals. And I also did um, four semesters in the doctoral program, but never finished because my mother um, was fighting cancer and at the end it spread to her brain and I moved back to Pittsburgh to take care of her, which will be another um, segment. But so yeah, so that was Miami and my education and I can't say enough wonderful things about Barry University and Dr. Jim Rudis, Dr. Karen Schatz, Dr. Jeffrey Guterman and um, Dr. Richard Tureen and Dr. Barbara Anger Diaz. These were my professors and people that really, really influenced um, my therapeutic lens and really my worldview. So not only did I fall in love with graduate school and being a therapist, I was also very much in love with Miami. And um, I still, even being back in Pittsburgh after five or so years, <clears throat> I miss it terribly every day. Although the pain of missing Miami isn't as bad as it used to be when I first came back here, um, it is definitely where I plan on um, ending my life. 
and the sooner I get there the better but I'm probably pretty much static here in Pittsburgh for a while but so let's talk a little bit I want to share with the listeners a little bit about my um, mental health experience so you have some backgrounds before we get into the nitty-gritty of all the episodes and so you have a little background so I my first job in mental health was working at the Children's Bereavement Center of Miami and they're an amazing free service and nonprofit organization that provide uh, bereavement counseling for families, um, children, adults. They have adult, they do special support groups for adults, children, families, and it's free. So I started out working as a lead facilitator and actually a volunteer first, then a lead facilitator with the Children's Bereavement Center's middle school group and got some really good um, training and education there about working with childhood bereavement, of which I was very familiar with because I was a bereaved child as was my younger brother. So that was, um, I don't know, I think I was there for four years or so and just learned so much and made so many wonderful relationships. And then I went on to um, working at Aventura Hospital's Behavioral Health Unit, which is basically a psychiatric unit in North Miami, Florida, in a town where I lived called Aventura. And there at the hospital, I had incredible supervisors and people who trained me other therapists that taught me so much Um, my supervisor Pam Pollock was incredible Randy Frank and um, Dave Battenfield they were just wonderful therapists that trained me and helped polish off some of my rough edges um, as a new therapist and in a psychiatric unit you, you know you see it all you see the the real Um, nitty-gritty of mental illness and I often wonder if I would be an effective therapist had I not had that experience because if you don't understand mental health at the roots and the basis of it how can you really um, understand the issues of human of humanity Um, I don't think you can so I'm so thankful for that experience although I knew I didn't want to do it forever Um, I did it for about a year for my clinical internship and um, and that was enough but um, you know I worked with schizophrenic people who had schizophrenia um, of all types paranoid catatonic um, just general psychosis bipolar disorder uh, personality disorders um, lots of um, suicidal people watching young people go through their first psychotic breaks at 18 19 years old um, who would you know then become uh, mentally ill for the rest of their lives i watched the psychiatrist medicate and um, you know spend every day of the week in the psychiatric unit and uh, it was an experience of which I will never forget and that is very much a part of me. I'm very thankful for it and I can tell you um, I would come home from that job every day and I'm not a really very religious person but I would get on my knees and thank God for everything that I have because being mentally ill is being stuck in a prison of hell every day of your life. and. You know, we take our our mental health and our 
ability to think and see things clearly very much for granted. And it's hard to understand that until you really are up close and personal with people who are really suffering from true mental illness. And you see the destructive cycles that they're you know, living in and how they unfortunately wind up burning a lot of bridges with families and how addiction is so um, prevalent in people who are mentally ill and homelessness. And um, it was a really, really um, major eye opener for me. And um, I went on from there to, um, I was hired by Arvon and Associates in Counseling and I had a, an, another incredible uh, boss and mentor, Dr. Coral Arvon. And she really um, gave me my wings and let me fly. And um, she also helped me along and we were you know, very good friends and she was just wonderful and gracious to me and I was, really just so blessed to have so many wonderful people in Miami um, be a part of my training and my education. And um, I love all of you if you're listening and always well. So after all of that love and just being enamored and in love with my career um, with Miami, the sunshine, the culture, the varieties of culture, I should say, and getting to counsel people from every walk of life, every age, every religion, every ethnicity you can think of. Um, People so often ask me, why in the world would you ever come back to a place like Pittsburgh that's so gray and cold and much more homogeneous and so that's really that's what this segment's going to be about this piece here so unfortunately uh, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer to our surprise complete surprise it does not run in our family and my mother was not a smoker and she's 60 years old and she had a bad cough that she couldn't get rid of and after a checks x-ray she found out that she had stage four lung cancer and this was a complete shock to me and to my family and my mother was um my absolute best friend my confidant um you know everything you could imagine a mother could be she was um, especially in my my adult life, and I was really just shocked. I I had this belief, I think, that because I had lost so many people that I loved, so many parental figures, so young, that my mom would just last forever. And my mother was so strong and so beautiful and so graceful. Um, I just couldn't even imagine her sick. I mean, she was never sick. I just couldn't believe it. So I was really devastated and I probably cried every day for the next two weeks, um, just feeling guilty about all the horror I put her through as a crazy teenager that I was, rebellious teenager, and um, had to come to the acceptance that this was for real and that you know we didn't know how much longer she would be around. But my mom was such a fighting spirit that she really faced every day um, 
with fight and survival in her heart and fight and survive she did um she lasted almost seven years after a stage four lung cancer diagnosis which is really unlikely and um that really changed her and it changed our relationship um we became even closer um maybe too much so but I was the one that she really confided in about everything she was going through and I wanted to make sure that I was there for her because she has always been there for me. So um, she was able to manage life pretty well for most of those years and then um, you know she would come visit me in Miami a couple times a year. I would come home to Pittsburgh and then um, she around, I don't know, a year before she died, um, was then diagnosed with brain cancer. So the lung cancer, while it was kept under control with all the different chemo treatments and pills and everything that she took, it spread to her brain. And it was a condition that was a bunch of cancer cells on the outside of her brain. So chemotherapy was not an option because chemo does not break the, the brain barrier. Um, so, uh, but the good thing is it wasn't in the brain, it was outside of the brain. So they were able to radiate and she put off the radiation for probably more months than she probably should have because she knew that once where she believed that once she did rate brain radiation, she would not be the same. And she was correct about that. Um, after 10, uh, sessions of full brain radiation, um, she did have some neurological damage, um, a little bit of a limp, her hand kind of fell, a dropped hand, and she just started moving really slowly. Um, and she just didn't see him herself. I mean, she did okay, but she just, she would forget words and, and things, and she wasn't quite the same. But it wasn't until the very end that it got really bad. So Mother's Day of 2013, uh, I came home to Pittsburgh and she had broke the news to me that her brain cancer was back and that there really wasn't anything that they could do. And that was probably the saddest day of my life, or one of them anyway. And we cried together for a couple of hours and I refused, I think, even then to believe that she was going to die because my mother was so invincible and so strong nothing ever shook her or took her down. So I just, I think I was still hopeful in some way. And shortly thereafter, she started to go downhill really fast. Um, and I was in Florida, I didn't really know exactly what was going on, but I noticed she started forgetting her cell phone. I would be unable to get a hold of her. And then, um, you know, her friends called me and said that she had gotten lost when they had gone, all gone out to lunch. And I could, I could just tell it was getting bad. So I flew home and I flew back and forth. I got her a little bit together there for a while, but it was just going downhill very quickly. So I decided to come to Pittsburgh indefinitely um, and take care of her until she died. And, and I did that. And during that time that I was taking care of my mother, I, um, I fell for a guy, uh, in Pittsburgh. And so I wound up 
coming back to Pittsburgh. I really never left after she died. I would go back to Miami for a couple of months here and there, but um, then I decided to make that full-time move. Um, and looking back, I think there were a lot of things that influenced that move back to Pittsburgh. And, you know, I think comfort and largely wanting to be close to my younger brother and my mother's family that was all here probably also played a role in that. Um, so that is what brought me back to Pittsburgh. So we're almost at the end of this very brief description of my life in very brief and how it all came together to lead me to where I am in this moment, which is a practicing marriage and family therapist and mental health counselor in private practice in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, and Liz Live, host of Liz Live, a live stream show about mental health issues and current events and mental health um, issues that relate to current events as well. So my mother passed away um, on September 17th of 2013. And uh, like I said, when she was dying in her last days, I had, met a gentleman who shall remain nameless, but I started, um, dating him very seriously, very quickly. Um, and so when I initially started and moved my practice to Pittsburgh, I was working out of our basement and I had to start all over again because I had, you know, transitioned from Miami after going back and forth and back and forth. I had finally, after about four months or five months, really weaned um, myself out of my Miami practice and made the transition to Pittsburgh. And I had to start all over again because Miami was where all of my contacts were. That's where my professors were. Um, I had also done um, three or four uh, semesters in the doctoral program. And, you know, all of that kind of came to a stop and I had to transfer everything to Pittsburgh. And it was very, it was very difficult getting, um, starting all over again. I really didn't know anybody in Pittsburgh anymore. I didn't have any connections in my field whatsoever. Um, I still really don't have a ton, but, um, and I, I, it was tough. I, I had to hit the ground running. So, um, but I did it and I, I did it beginning, um, in our basement for, you know, several years and then that relationship, uh, ended and I then, um, moved up to, uh, Murraysville, a section of the Eastern suburbs and I love it and I love my office and I adore it and, um, so happy the way that things turned out. But that is the story of really how I got to where I am today. And as far as all the um, talk shows that I do, including this podcast, that was always another dream of mine. I always wanted to be a talk show host, which I think is why I spent some time in journalism. And that's what I studied in college. Um, And now the way that the world is, you can be a talk show host without 
a contract and without being hired by anybody. You just have to start it and see if it works. And it, it took a lot of hard work and it's still taking a lot of hard work to get my live show up and moving. I've only been doing it for about six or seven months, the live section of it anyway. And I did some pre-recorded stuff on Facebook in the year before that, but I really started hammering out the live shows really during COVID and the beginning of the shutdown. So from March till today, which is September not, uh, 9th, I've you know really been plugging away at this show, doing my full-time practice and now this podcast. So it's a lot of work, but I love it. And I love couples work. I love working with couples. I love being, I say I'm in the relationship business. I'm in the business of making relationships. I think I'm really good at working with couples. Um, and I also work with individuals and families as well. Um, the only thing I really don't do much of is addiction work. Um, if it comes in, of course I deal with it, but if it's something that needs more um, rehabilitation type of interventions, then I will help that person get that intervention treatment and then have them come back once they're out of that rehab facility. Uh, facility. So um, so that's what I'm doing, guys. And that's how I wound up with actuation counseling. And actuation is a word that I guess a lot of people don't know what it means. I wish they did. But actuation counseling um, actuation means to make something happen or to put something in motion. And the kind of therapy that I do is not the kind of therapy where I'm psychoanalyzing you from, you know, the first memories you have as a child. I address immediately the issue that you came in with. And later, if we have to go back to looking at your family and your childhood, which typically we will, um, We'll do it later, but I want to give people immediate relief right away with what they're dealing with, especially with couples, because, um, you know, couples issues are really devastating when you're going through them. And there's, you know, quite often children involved. So I try to get right to the problem immediately. I have um, two hour sessions the first time you come in as a couple or an individual and every session after that is an hour and 30 minutes. And that is the story of Elizabeth Statlander, the therapist so far. And the story's still being written and there's still a lot more things to talk about, but I wanted the first episode to be an opportunity for everyone who's listening to be able to connect with me, to see that I'm a real person. I don't sit on my high horse and think that I'm you know, better than everybody because I'm a therapist or all-knowing or anything like that. I reject that. Um, I'm a client-centered therapist. I've been through a lot, um, and I try to really be there um, you know, for my clients and use the professional information and professional experience I have to enhance and better their lives and to get them through um, the very painful times that people are going through when they initially come to see me. So thank you for listening and to the therapy room, everything therapy all the time. And I am Liz Statlander. I thank you for listening and I can't wait to talk to you in our next in our next episode. If you want to learn more about me, actuation-counseling.com. 
You can go to my website or Actuation Counseling Making Change Happen on Facebook, Eliz Therapist on Instagram, and Actuation Counseling on YouTube. Take care. Peace to everybody.